Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Scroobius Pip, um, and this week's podcast is fucking amazing. It's really good. It's with um, a, a, a lady called Carla v- a Valentine, um, uh, and it's she's a, a mortician, and we talk about everything basically death-related. A bit of sex in there too, but everything death-related. I should do the advert first. Um check out speechdevelopmentrecords.com. It's my label. You can come and support us. Um, you can check out the new B. Dolan album because he's going to be over on tour in September. He's going absolutely everywhere. In fact, while I'm here, I may as well quickly give the B. Dolan tour dates. I'm scrolling through my phone and talking slowly so that I can find those all of them. Yes, so... B. Dolan is going to be at the Rainbow in Birmingham on September 15th, the Deaf Institute in Manchester, September 16th, September 17th, he's at the Ferret in Preston, 18th, Electric Circus, Edinburgh, 19th, Stereo Glasgow, 21st, Fleece, Bristol, 22nd, The Globe, Cardiff, 23rd, XOYO in London, 24th, The Haunt in Brighton, 25th, MK11 in Milton Keynes, and then he's going to Ireland for Cypress Avenue in Cork on the 27th, for the Workmen's Club in Dublin on the 29th. I won't do all of them because he's then going to Amsterdam, Lille, Paris, Hamburg, Berlin, Brussels, Athens. Then he's Portland and he's got more more US dates added. He's adding more dates constantly. So you should check him out on tour. It's going to be amazing. And by Kill the Wolf, the vinyl is finally in stock. You're all so pleased about it. I'm so happy that you've you've got it and it's all sounding good. But yeah, today's episode is as it, it, it's one that it, a few people on the John Kennedy episode uh, mentioned how um, I shut up a lot. <laughs> and it, it, this felt similar. There was so many points where I was just listening, fascinated. Um, I'm in, in the museum surrounded by wonderful organs and preserved pieces of bodies. And yeah, it's amazing. So I did keep, keep looking around and getting distracted as well. Another little tip. Um, a lot of you listen on iTunes. I get that. I listen to a lot on iTunes still. Um, but this is one we do. I, a walkie j- j- jumped in on a previous episode about this. We do put this up on Acast as well. And w- w- ones like this are particularly good on Acast because we put links to to wiki pages to just further information on the subjects that we're discussing. So while you're listening, you can just listen and you won't notice anything unless you've turned on the the ping thing so it blings but you know you can turn that off so you can just just uh, just, uh, listen but if you wanted to then glance at your phone when something's particularly interesting then you can save a link or open a link to further information on that and that's on the Acast app which you can use on everyone's uh, all phones all mobile devices but yeah that's you know that's your choice I'm not going to hard sell it I just on on ones like this reminds me that that's particularly worthwhile anyway I'm going to let us get on with the podcast and I'll chat to you at the end Right, we're um, and we're off. Quite a uh, literally, I'm joined today by Carl of of a Valentine. Is it Valentine or Valentine? Valentine, yeah, uh, like the saint. Perfect. Although I'm far from it. And, <laughs> and, and how are you today? I'm really good, Pat, actually. Thank yeah. you for having uh, me along when invite. I mean, I'll 
I'll let you kind of say where we are and what we're surrounded by. Well, it's, um, we're in a Bots Pathology Museum today, yeah. um, which is a purpose-built medical museum from 1879. So it's basically three sort of mezzanine levels full of 5,000 parts of human people. Um, you it's know. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 I, was, I, was, I was saying just before we started, every time I, I walk around anywhere like this, my brain literally can't compute that these are real. It's, it, even though I know and it's in Bart's and it's all this, you, you still, you're looking at things in jars and mm-hmm. bones and body parts and all these other things. And it, it's a film prop. In, in, in yeah. my, I'm still looking <laughs> at it, even though it's got details or history. It's like, no, that's not, that can't be a real thing, but it's amazing. It, it's a bit like something you might see on a sort of Frankenstein film set yeah. or something, isn't it? Like these, these jars kind of just yeah. on shelves. And I think it's because also they, they don't look very real because they're preserved as yeah. well. So they yeah, lose that kind of fleshy look, you know? Yeah, completely. Do you, do you find that, or do you get nice and, and, and busy? Because the first one that I went to was, there's another, um, is it by King's Cross? Um, I, there's one, um, the Hunterian Museum. The Hunterian, yeah, that's right. So it's a similar Museum. kind of... It, it is, yeah, it's, it's similar. In fact, is there a rivalry? Like, have I dropped one by, mm, by, by mentioning them there? Is this going to be trouble? That's good to know. <laughs> no, they're, um, they're quite different, really, because we're part of the medical school. We're part of yeah. the university. Yeah. So that means that people can't come in here during the day. We tend to have right. out-of-hours events. Right, excellent. Um, which is why it's so quiet today. Yeah. Um, but the Hunterian are open to the public. I mean, because, so. again, it's... it's the first time I, I went in one, I was like, this... And, and the same stepping in here, mm. this should be one of the biggest tourist attractions in London. I know yeah. it's going to be a tourist <laughs> attraction as such, but one of the biggest attractions, because it's fascinating. It mm. is genuinely engaging and fascinating, but also it's educational and it's, and, yeah. it's, and it's important kind of thing. So Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the problem with them um, here at uh, Bart's Pathology Museum is that we, because it was used by the students for so long mm. as, as medical museums like this were for, you know, hundred years or so, um, they fell out of sort of fashion, you know, the yeah. when things like uh, virtual reality became a bit more fashionable yeah, yeah. and whatnot. So as soon as the students stopped using it, it did kind of slide into disrepair, which, yeah. you know, for the Hunterian, for example, that didn't happen because right, it was sure. always for the public. So, yeah, so we've had a bit of a kind of slog over the last three years or so just to try and, you know, get it out there. And now yeah. we've been on, I think it's CNN's list of the weirdest medical museums in the world. Amazing. So, um, you know, so things like that makes you feel kind of proud, really. And- I mean, I've, I follow you on on Instagram, and mm. and and, and t- uh, today you had, or yesterday you had Bradley Cooper just pop by for yeah. a quick look. So I mean, yeah, who would who would have thought there'd be so many famous people dropping by? You know, yeah. when I first got into this job, it's um, amazing though, right? Because yeah, he's in the Elephant Man. That's um, right. At the moment, so mm. so how was that? Was he here to just? kind of educate himself I guess on the on the character or to take things in well what happened is that the, the sort of sister gallery that we have where um Joseph Merrick or the elephant man is stored um it's not open to the public but obviously I have access yeah. now he came to visit him um a while ago before he started on the right. west end um I wasn't in that day typical yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but um he wanted to come and say goodbye because I think you know oh, wow. they've been on the west end now um doing the, the elephant man play and they've got really sort of invested in yeah, his story of course and, so they all came along, actually. The whole cast came oh, along wow. to say goodbye. And I think the play finished on Saturday. So. That's amazing. Mm. I love that. And I, I, it always excites me and amazes me when there are these things that um, are closed off to the public but mm. important to keep as, yeah. as, 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 as record. And often, mm. it's a, I mean, it's a preservation thing and a, in, in that sense. But also, mm. I, I find a lot of these things often... If there's a good reason that you wish to view this, then yeah. people are 
amicable, you know, uh, helpful with that and kind of have mm. made that happen always. And my brother goes to a lot of, of, of art exhibitions mm. and it all, I'd never heard of it when he was saying, yeah, there's a few I've been to where I've had to ask them to get it out of, or ask if I can go oh, like, and view in storage I or whatever, because yeah. they have a responsibility to still show these, but they can't have everything on display. So there's That's certain it, bits he'll say, yeah, he'll put an email in in advance and yeah. say, I'd like to... I don't want you to now get tons of emails asking know, to, yeah, to, say, to see, gosh. <laughs> I mean, you can't do that, but that's, again, a unique situation. Yeah, but. I mean, a lot of curators are really, really happy to do that, you know, to kind of um, take people behind the scenes and, yeah. and show you them. I know they do that at the Muta Museum in right. Philadelphia, which yeah. is kind of like our counterpart. Um, with with human remains, it is really difficult because um, with the case of Merrick, for example, he's in his own special gallery for research purposes because right. people are still kind of researching into processes syndrome which is what he had yeah. um, rather than elephantiasis which is what people thought he had right. so there's this um, distinction made between keeping specimens for medical research and then having them on show but yeah. then in England of course we're kind of bound by the laws of the human tissue authority right. which um, which is a kind of governing body for all human remains in different mm-hmm. sectors so the public display or anatomy right, yeah. so um, so that's why that it can be really difficult to get to see some of these things that you think you know these yeah. are so educational and valuable but you know we're bound really I mean and I think it's quite an, a, a nice thing in many ways as well because you kind of you Obviously, his story was that at points, you know, a, f- a freak show type mm. thing. So, in many ways, it's completely appropriate that when he went to rest, that he's not a public. <laughs> yeah, so there's, exactly. there's, a, there's a beauty there in itself. Yeah. It's like, right, no, this is important and, and, and needs to be respected, but it mm. doesn't need to be. Gorped, a load say. of yeah, yeah tourists just going oh look at that yeah oh, exactly that? I mean there's a replica of his skeleton in fact yeah. in the public museum for that very reason yeah. um, and even though you know he he said that his time with Frederick Treves who was the doctor who rescued yeah. him um, at Whitechapel Hospital was the best time of his life yeah um, you know you, there is still is exactly as you say that aspect of you know we still are in touch with his family yeah. um, and oh, wow. he's, we still see him as a person so yeah so he's got his own kind of room you know yeah. safe and and as I say researchers and people with valid reasons to go and see him and his skeleton like like Bradley yeah, Cooper yeah. who was acting as him yeah they they get to go and see yeah, him that's great mm. so so uh, I mean just hearing uh, that small kind of behind the scenes type bit mm-hmm. how much time do you spend just going around and looking at stuff and getting lost in it all because surely there's so much that <laughs> you have access one. to yeah I that, mean I could I could fall kind of down a research hole if yeah. if I you know want to see what what my job mainly sort of entails here at the moment is to kind of repair and um, you know conserve the specimens at the moment mm-hmm. because some of them are leaky some of them have gone right, a bit yellowed yeah. so every single time I I do a part you know I'll do a good few a day yeah. I'll end up sort of researching into what what who is the person yeah. in this part you know what Amazing. happens to them but then I'll end up kind of researching their condition and then researching you know the history of that condition yeah. and I just kind of fall down a, a sort of yeah. yeah like a research hole. Of, Easy know, to do, I'd imagine. Yeah. And again, because they have a... Th- I mean, we, you've mentioned it, but mm. m- most of these are, are incredibly old and incredibly mm. um, have been preserved for a long, long time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it kind of... It stands to reason that they a lot of them will, will need... To be topped up, to, topped to, up and, yeah. and, and, and made sh- sure they're still preserved and in, in good condition, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I mean, what's kind of incredible is that I mean, our oldest one here is 1750. Wow. Um, and that is a hernia, and it has a roll of paper in it. 
just to kind of mark out the passage of the hernia and that's still intact. Wow. Um, that would have been preserved in alcohol and a lot of the specimens from sort of 200 years ago are all in alcohol. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, I, I replace them with, with a newer fluid um, which is a bit more stable but considering, you know, how, yeah. how old they are, a lot of them are in really good nick, you that's know. That's done an amazing job. I, I, I mean, I feel, I mean, we're only eight minutes in. I, f- <laughs> I feel I need to apologise if at any point so I'm going quiet because I do just keep <laughs> looking around. There's no response where I am just <laughs> just looking around at stuff and being stunned um so how did you get into to, to this kind of thing what was your 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 upbringing was there always uh, curiosity with death or with human remains or any of this kind of thing yeah i mean it's it's one of those really difficult questions to answer because i always inevitably get asked it yeah. but i actually just always wanted to be um a mortician i wanted to be some form of mortician um and I liked um, the idea of, I did a lot of forensics research. I loved biology. Yeah. I read a lot of Agatha Christie. So my main kind of aim was to get into post-mortem work and mm. autopsies. Um, and I did. I was just sort of quite single-minded from the age of about eight or nine, you know, yeah. much to the horror of my mum, probably. Imagine, yeah. <laughs> you know, we didn't have anyone in the family who was an undertaker or even a doctor. So she always just says, like, I have no idea where you heard it. I probably watched Princey, yeah, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> and it probably stuck with me. But again, so. it's, I mean, it's, 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 it should be one of the most human curiosities yeah. to, to, to wonder about. Because it's, um, I mean, we'll go on to it. It, it later as as well but when mm. we were discussing this over email i was saying how i i write a lot about mm. death and things like that and again all sides of that that you've mentioned there it's stuff that we generally shy away from and yeah. don't and kind of go that's sad and move on mm. or be very blunt with this happened and that's that rather yeah. than going into any great detail on it so it remains one of the great for most people unexplored mm. areas so Absolutely. i completely understand how from an early age you'd be like what is what, that? that? Why going isn't anyone on? talking about it? Why hasn't anyone explained <laughs> yeah. this? And again, particularly with children, with death, with mm. anything else, you do actively under-explain. You do kind Absolutely, of say, yeah. they've just gone now. It's like, the dog's just gone to the farm, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, you really explain carefully how or why I shouldn't go outside or talk to this person or do that, whereas this you're being quite evasive yeah. on. So surely that just ignited it more for you Yeah, for I think up. it did. I think Because especially because, you know, if I did ask any questions, I'm sure my mum would have you know had none of the answers whatsoever and there's nothing more frustrating when yeah. you're a kid mum why has this happened why has that happened and they yeah. go oh it's just just because yeah you know and I started to read really really early I was actually about two so I oh, think wow. I was just kind of getting getting hold of books I remember going to the library when I was about 10 or 11 and getting a level biology textbooks out Amazing. and the librarian just kind of looking at me and saying shouldn't you be reading Enid Blyton you yeah, know yeah, yeah. Um, and things like that and then of course you know every every child will have some kind of brush with mortality whether it's a pet that will die Mm -hmm. um for me it was my granddad yeah and yeah I had questions you know what what happened why why did he look like that were and nobody would answer them for me and Mm. that was around sort of eight years of age seven years of age I mean that's it's 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 I think that's a really important thing and can can be a wonderful thing because children Mm. often won't have the um I don't know the 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 pre-programmed or the, the programmings that we have when we we get older so there mm. will be more of a genuine curiosity Absolutely. of mm. and not knowing the questions that you're not meant to ask because in reality why aren't you meant to <laughs> what, ask exactly? them what, if, if you're wondering that it should mm. be that openness to discuss yeah so. it should be just part part of the education and as you say you know 
the, the children are innocently curious, you know, when they see yeah. maggots or something, they're, they're not being morbid. They're yeah. just genuinely wondering yeah. what's, what's happening. Then you kind of, you know, you grow up and you get called morbid for thinking these things. And, yeah. and actually, it's not, it's not really the case. So I couldn't agree more. My mum my always used to be distraught when my nan, before any holiday, mm. would tell her where everything is in case she dies. <laughs> my mum was always like, just go and have a nice holiday. Don't be thinking that you're going to die. And it's like, it'll always be, here's the books, here's, here's the paperwork here's, if you need yeah. this. And it's like, but again, I was always like, that's good, that's yeah. fine. That should be, I mean, there's she a huge, might die. She's she ahead might of her time. Yeah, you, she, never you never know, you never know. It's just practical, isn't it? But also, I mean, she was so ahead of her time because yeah. now there is this huge movement for people saying, you know, you have to talk about death. You have to talk about yeah. what you want if you die. Um, ask your family what you want. Have, have a death cafe. Yeah. you know have death over dinner yeah. there's all these things happening now where people are kind of realizing maybe shoving it under the carpet isn't the best option yeah. you know i'm i'm, I'm a, a, a massive a believer in that in the openness to discuss death and mm. these things um it often confuses people i'm, I'm not sh- sure if i've discussed it on the podcast or not i've discussed mm. it a fair bit in 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 real life a friend of mine um called J- a, a, a jamie not um took his life when we were all 21 mm. all our group of friends and the anniversary of his death which was also his birthday mm. is my favorite day of the year every year and really? people always see that as a strange thing mm. but it's because my facebook timeline f- fills up with amazing stories right. about a friend who isn't here anymore i'll mm. normally meet up with his family or my friends and we'll sit and just talk about a, a life rather than mm. be s- sad on that day because at some point someone died it's like well that's as as we've said, that's an in, that, that's going to happen. That's an in, yeah. inevitability. Everyone is going to have that. So, mm-hmm. the openness to just to be comfortable with that, I guess. And, yeah, and, so it's like and, a bit of a catalyst, isn't it, for you to sort of have these in you know discussions yeah. about the positive aspects of of him and you know that sort completely, of thing. So. Completely. So, mm-hmm. so how did you then? What was your journey from curiosity <clears throat> as a child <clears throat> to being essentially? in charge of all of this probably, like, the how queen we, of the dead that, and, that's probably a huge question there but um <laughs> well you know it's, it's it's probably answered kind of fairly simply to be honest i mean i i am um, you know got my head down at school really really enjoyed it had my my you know i was gonna say brief dalliance with you know being a bit of a goth at school yeah. evidently not much has changed <laughs> um but you know I, I i did do well in my exams but um I didn't want to go straight into college. I kind of wanted some hands-on experience first because, you know, looking at pictures of dead bodies, watching films, it is not the same as, like, actually, you know, feeling maggots crawl on you, you know. I mean, and (laughs) I said that you were saying about how a period where so much of this was unused or uninterested because Mm. we then, I'd imagine, got to a point where so much was available to be learned on computer or in books that you didn't need that. And it's just, it's not the same. I mean, you know, my curator here used to always say you don't attempt to sort of take apart a car engine without actually having your hands on, you know, an engine. So, you know, I I kind of took a year out and a lot of my friends went off to Thailand or went to China and I just went to Worthing and worked for an embalmer for a year. But I did, I did that voluntarily. I happened to know someone, but then I knew, you see, it was, it was cemented in me that, um, okay, it's not just some, some sort of passing interest that I've had. I can actually do this. Um, So I ended up doing um, sort of like forensic and biomolecular science at university wow. and then um volunteering at a mortuary again um, you know everyone else was 
was working at a cafe or something yeah. or a pub. Yeah. <laughs> I was off to the mortuary voluntarily with my lunch. Um, and a job kind of opens up a couple of years into my degree. And they very, very rarely open up. I mean, yeah, people I say imagine. it's a job for life. It's not a yeah. dead-end job. You know, there's yeah, every yeah, point yeah, imaginable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so a couple of years into the degree, when the job came up, I, I took it. Because yeah. I've always got the opportunity. I always had the opportunity to go back to uni. Yeah. So, um, so then I began to qualify um, as an APT, which is an anatomical pathology technician. Right. So, Amazing. Um, and yeah, so it kind of went from there, really. That kind was of, my imagine, real... as you said, a, a job for life and every other plan. I can imagine mm. how, because of, at points, the, um, I guess, the tranquility or the seclusion, mm. that this, it gradually becomes your collection yeah definitely which is you know which um, again that's an amazing thing to have a collection that's hundreds of years old mm. and 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 so vast so i can completely see how it it'd be hard to walk away from yeah. at some point to go <laughs> yeah. all right well just pass this on to someone else yeah uh, no it's like a little paradise isn't it yeah. really um i think um, i'm sure it was in uh, evelyn wars the loved one and he said there there at the the quiet limit of the world he experienced a tranquil joy and that's oh, wow. about this uh, the the, the pet cremating protagonist of the story and it's kind of like that for me it's yeah. a sort of it's a quiet limit of the world and it's the same in mortuaries I mean you you do obviously have to interact you know with with your co-workers and, and, and families etc but when you do post-mortems you tend to be alone um or alone with the pathologist mm-hmm. and you do just get used to this sort of quiet you know solitude and and yeah. then here of course I'm I'm the only full-time staff member so I literally do just kind of come in and have no one to say hello to apart from the 5,000 pots. Apart from all the parts. <laughs> so, yeah, so now that do I'm kind of... Do you find yourself talking to them I do, much? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Particularly the skeletons. And, and we've got our Skelo Biafra over yeah. there. He's our, our sort of museum mascot. He bears a lot of, you know, the complaints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, you're an advocate for the access um, to collections yeah. uh, which contain a, a human remains. You mentioned mm. earlier that because mm. of the restrictions in, yeah. in, in the UK that these, these things are tough. Mm. Let's talk about that for a bit. What's the... Yeah, so, so basically at the moment, I mean, in the 90s, there was this, um, many people will remember, this sort of organ retention scandal. And it was when, um, in hospitals like Alderhay, mm-hmm. um, there were sort of some organs found at the back of shelves. There was no such thing as right. a consent culture back then. So doctors who did autopsies on, you know, babies or, or young children or whoever would take parts, organs, um, to do further testing on, but they didn't inform the families. Right. And it caused a bit of an outcry when it was discovered. Sure, sure. So in sort of response to that, the Human Tissue Authority was formed in 2004. And the thing about the HTA is everybody thinks it's been around for a long time because it's, yeah. it's sort of in, a, in its way, it seems very archaic. Yeah. But it's only very new. It's only yeah, sort of yeah, 10 yeah. years. Um, and so what, what they... Um, did was they've made it so that um, you need to have licenses for different activities or scheduled purposes with human remains. Right. So with this museum, for example, public display, um, all of the specimens that are on this floor that are easily accessible, these are all over 100 years old. Right. Because they're outside of the HTA's remit. So we call it the historical oh, collection. Wow. Yeah. Um, it hasn't really caused us any problems because obviously we can have people come in for events and all of these are exempt from the yep. HTA. Yeah. But what it means is that with the teaching collection on the upper two floors, we need a display license to show the general public. Right. So, for example, all the forensics up there, you know, all the kind of really interesting ones that people want to know about from, you know, court cases and and things like that, they're all upstairs. So we do have a display licence on its way, winging its way through the mail. Um, So we're kind of doing everything by by the book, as it were. Um, 
But the interesting thing is that we still have people who criticise us for letting the public see these older specimens, despite the fact that we're not doing anything against the law. No, that's uh, dis- bizarre. Despite the fact that we're not doing anything bizarre or disrespectful. No. There are a sort of chunk of people who think that these specimens should only be available to people who are of a medical uh, disposition, that, you know, maybe students, medical students or doctors, right. and the general public should not see them. Sh- surely a greater understanding in general, you know, is, is, is as, sh- as should be desired there. And as, as you said, the ones you can't show upstairs, mm. the fact is they're the ones that would ignite more interest mm. in the way that interest was ignited f- for you as a child because they're Definitely. the ones that mm. have a story and have a, mm. something that you can relate and learn r- rather than a walk around and look at... I said, I guess that's kind of, of, of where the issue comes in, mm. but they're the ones that would feel more human. Yeah, absolutely. Because there'd be the, the, it is a more recent thing and there is a, a tale and a relatability mm. to it, whereas you can easily walk around here and, as said, just imagine it's... Because they're, they're from so far in the past, I guess. Imagine Maybe it's hard bit, to compute that they ever exist. Yeah, yeah you're more removed, exactly. exactly yeah. so. And I think, I mean, it's, it's kind of... It's interesting, though, because we do have a lot of really unusual um, conditions down here on the, the, in the historical collection, things that you won't see again, things that are kind of... Um, a product of the cult of like Victorian factory culture, for example. Yeah. Um, a lot of things like, you know, chimney sweeps, cancer of the testicle, the young boys that went up chimneys, right. um, a lot of injuries from, you know, these awful factory conditions. Yeah. And they're really, they, they've got their own value because they're so great for sort of historical and sociological research. Yeah, um, but as you say, with the forensic collection, I kind of feel that even though some of the specimens are very disturbing, yeah. um, I've seen far more disturbing things in TV and computer games over the last, you know, 10 years. There's been this huge gro- growth Completely. of sort of Gorno films and everything. Yeah. And I feel that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not qualified to say that I think I'm right, but I feel that maybe we are creating a much more violent culture because we're so far removed from the reality of violence. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was, so, was, was going to say. I couldn't agree more. I, mm. I paused because I've never heard the term Gorno and it's wonderful. <laughs> so, so that was delightful. I just need to re-highlight that in <laughs> case anyone didn't take that in. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's completely that. It's, we, 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 we see this kind of mm. thing regularly, but this is the cold reality of yeah. it. And that's... Surely, again, it's far more important and educational in that respect. And as you said, to bring it to 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 kind of counter a lot of the the fictional stuff to show that these things are real and these these this is the real human yeah. anatomy. This is the real mm. results of this is the real of effect these of yeah. like you know stamping on someone's face or, or whatever yeah. we you know we, we have. And I think yeah, to to actually see that you know there's that phrase seeing as believing, and I think to actually see it in real life would create you know a much more important kind of discussion um, and obviously educate people far you know far more than with some computer game or some TV show and, and you know and, and that violence would it, that, that has like a negative impact but yeah. for some reason as I say there are people that don't feel that and they feel that actually you know these things are too disturbing we shouldn't show them to the public and I think those people are quite far removed from what's going on in popular culture yeah. you know so I've, I, I remember um, I when I was more. at school for example learning about the Nazis when I was about 15 yeah and just not really taking it in. You know, you're 15 years of, old, of age, you're kind of spraying your deodorant on, you're reading yeah. a magazine and not really taking it in and understanding what it was about. And then, um, you know, years later, seeing piles of human hair 
in a museum and understanding suddenly what had really happened. And I think that is the value for for these specimens. You know, they can be a symbol of violence. They can be a symbol of veneration, you know, in terms of, say, holy relics. Um, And whatever they are, they are significant. And I just think that people should be able to view them, you know, as much as possible. Yeah, I could... I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it brings it back to the discussion that we were having, and I'd like to go in more depth on this on mm. on the on, on on the general, more w- w- wide, comfortable, and public discussion of death mm. of death as a thing that happens. Um, mm. How do you feel on that? And how do you feel we could go about making it not seen as morbid? Again, I mm. I got the morbid tag a lot because on my first album, I had two songs that were about suicide and mm. there was a song on the next one that was about a domestic violence that eventually caused mm. death and things like that and again it was it was new to me to hear that that was anything yeah. unusual for, for <laughs> me i just wrote about something day. that was interesting yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i wrote about something that was interesting and realized oh hang on mm. i've taken something that's interesting in um in in news mm. and put it into pop culture yeah. and I didn't realise that that was a confusing that thing. A, it's yeah, like that definitely something that definitely happens constantly. It was it seems it was only the injection of it into pop culture that made it unusual or morbid or strange. It's so, so strange, isn't it? You know when it you know, and it's not as if it's anything new. I mean, of course, you know we've had poetry and art with mm. so much death, Pyrrhophilites, you know, um, and things like that. And it's it is it is odd that there's this kind of yeah this sense of it being morbid when it is just life and it is what happens. So I think um, at the moment, you know. Well, over the last few years, definitely, there is a real kind of death-positive movement. And I know that um, a girl in the US termed it death-positive because mm. as years before, when we talked about things being out in the open, it used to be sex. Do you remember nobody used to talk about yeah, sex? Yeah, yeah, So there was this sex-positive um, movement. And so they've kind of gone with that same template, tried to bring it out yeah. in, into, into the open. So at the moment, you know, you can, um, you can do things like go to death cafes where people just discuss aspects of death um, there's death over dinner which is another thing in the US I think um, and for me I think that when when you're talking about death and acceptance of it there are two different strains as to why it's important um, the first thing is a very practical strain simple thing is if we don't talk about death we don't want to think about it mm-hmm. then when somebody dies close to us we um, don't have we're not equipped to make yeah. any arrangements we are able to be taken advantage of by people who's who, who are in that industry, yeah, so people sure. like funeral directors. We are afraid of things because we don't know enough about them, so people yeah. are afraid of autopsies. Because so they, being scared to discuss yeah. it, you'll just it's, nod it's, and go with whatever they yeah, tell you rather exactly. than be comfortable to say, why yeah. are we doing that? Or what is the assumption? Why? And, and, think, and people are kind of, come, you know, getting onto that basically at the moment i mean not to say that all funeral directors work in the same way at all i mean i'm not saying that but there are certainly some who are taking advantage of that kind of ignorance and Mm. that desire to just want to get it all over and done with with, so that on a practical level um yeah you know that's going to cause issues and then the other strand is a kind of more of a mental level like there's a very um there's a lot lot of studies that have been done um over the last few years that say that thinking about your own kind of mortality can actually really benefit you. It really makes you appreciate your life. And it's nothing new. I mean, the Buddhists have been, you know, carrying out the nine cemetery contemplations since about the 13th century. They have this Maranasati where they, they think about decomposing corpses, you know, and then 
maggots and then yeah. dry remains and then how they then go into the earth and it just makes them accept the cycle of life so yeah. there's nothing new and there's nothing weird about thinking about death yeah, no, completely. Um, it just seems to be a case of trying to get that message out there at the moment and again i completely think the and awareness of it uh, as 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 you said allows you to appreciate your life more or mm. put everything in that that in in, in more perspective really Definitely. and to not be i think just to not be scared of it, just because yeah. of the in- inevitability. If it was discussed more and it wasn't such a mysterious, mm. obviously it'll always be mysterious because there's different religions, different beliefs, or anything yeah. like that. But still, <laughs> we do know that we all we're all going to face it at some mm. point. So it's, it's ridiculous to have mm. s- such. T- a taboo around it. It is, and, it, and I think also what's kind of ridiculous is this sense of um, moving away from what is natural. You know, it's so it's so much easier for people to accept this idea of like embalming corpses, for example, pumping them full of chemicals that are damaging to the environment, um, and yet they won't accept being eaten by maggots and you know, kind yeah. of be becoming maybe a rose bush or, or whatever. Yeah. Like the more the more kind of natural cycle of life seems Completely. unacceptable, and 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 yet this, I genuinely. You know, after I die, I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> I really couldn't care less. It's, it's such a funny thing that people get so hung up on stuff. It is, it's isn't my it? belief, or again, mm. I don't know anything other than you die and then you die, and that's that. So it's mm. really an, an, an concern. My brother, um, we were at, I think we we're actually out for Mother's Day or my mum's birthday, and, and my brother kind of b- b- bummed out my mum when he was explaining that um, his ideal situation mm. would be to not have to be dealt with so his ideal right. situation would, uh, when he decides he's finished with everything he's been here to do would be to go up into the mountains or something right and yeah. not come back so that it's and just as simple as that. so it's over. just it's done <laughs> yeah. it's, it's natural it's in nature it's part of nature mm. and not this a weird th- thing of the family having to deal with this and having mm. to you know go the death happen and box, then have weeks of, in, yeah, yeah exactly and have all these strange uh, uh, rituals always Mm. Again, I'm, I'm making it sound as if there's a lot of of, of, of death talk in the family. <laughs> yeah. But I always remember when our cat died, um, and it was emotional because mm. the, they'd got the cat just after I was born, which mm. kind of made me feel they weren't satisfied. But they were like, <laughs> "Let's get something enough. else. This hasn't worked out." Um, so the cat was like twenty odd. It it, it, it got old. It was, mm. I'd had it a long time and it died. But I genuinely think the death was made far more dramatic mm. by the fact. A friend of my mum's had made a little coffin for the cat that me and my brother then had to dig a hole for in the garden in the rain and carry out a little wooden coffin. (laughs) Just nice and gothic there. And it was like, man, this was... It's Uh, it's a sad situation, but that felt like because of the strange rituals at points of our society that it was mm. made ten times more dramatic and it's emotional. So hard, isn't it? Rather than maybe just asking what you wanted, yeah, you know, maybe, and things yeah, like that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just doing these, it is yeah. hard. And it's funny that you need to hear people describe our rituals as strange rituals because obviously, you know, many people have kind of Grown, grown up with them or whatever, and they think of them as normal. Yeah. And trying to trying to change them is is difficult. You know, you, you're obviously going to come across the you, you know cri- yeah. criti- 
criticisms, etc. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not that long ago that cremation kind of appeared, you know, from nowhere yeah. and people were going, oh, this is awful, it's inhuman, it'll never catch yeah. on. And now it's one of the most popular, most popular ways of disposal. So now we talk about things like alkaline hydrolysis, which is basically a kind of a type of water blasting. It's like they call it water cremation. Mm. And people say, oh, no, it's, it's disgusting. You can't turn people into sludge. It'll never catch on. Mm. But the likelihood is it probably will within about 20 years yeah. or so. People, I mean, uh, people realise it's not, it's not viable to keep doing what we're doing anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, but completely. That's why these um, these discussions are important. You know, yeah. I think it was it was only a co- about last week that um, a crematorium in the UK has finally um, sort of set up a system where they can use the heat generated from the crematorium to heat a local swimming pool. Oh wow! And to also heat part of their offices. Yeah. But when that was first mentioned, you know, a lot of the British public were like, "We don't want to get into a pool heated by the dead." You know, as, so <laughs> as if isn't ghosts it? are going to kind of be living under Humans the Humans are so stupid, it's man. It's very odd. <laughs> <laughs> I can and see like, why know, you spend a lot of time in here yeah. on your own with these ones who, I get more sense who just aren't idiots and aren't going to be going on about their But it's true, you know, the more you read about it, the more you do come across these criticisms and you think, just for God's sake. And I wrote an article a while ago about, about dissection and, you know, somebody did say something like, well, it was obviously a punishment for a reason. It's because it's bad and it... It's like, no, it wasn't because it was bad. It was because there was a, a huge belief in judgment day yeah. and God and a fear. And the idea was that if the body was in some, you know, in some way disintegrated, like mm. with cremation, that you wouldn't rise again on judgment day. And I, yeah. I thought m- many people were kind of past that. But, yeah. you know, and that's it's, what it's a hangover from I mean, from it's that. so strange in our society. I'm, I'm making um, a film at the moment, or, or me and a friend have been working mm. on for a while. And one of the themes in that is looking at, at suicide, and I do a lot with with a, a charity called Calm, which is oh, you know, know battling male suicide and a lot of things like that. But one of the things I've found so fascinating is trying to figure out where our kind of damnation of mm. suicide comes from. Because in in reality, you, the only logical thing that I can think of is because in reality, a suicide is someone again. It's different because it depends on the state of mind or whatever. But in reality, mm. that's someone deciding something for themselves Mm. um so the only thing that i could come up with was it's a hangover from us being a traditionally a catholic country Mm. and feeling that suicide is a sin against god and you can't get into heaven and things like that but Mm. we're not that anymore so it's strange that that there's that taboo over and again i'm not saying that everyone should just commit suicide it's fine it's cool but there's part of me that feels if you, you it's it's odd to judge someone for choosing their own I th- I think it's odd. in their own life yeah, to definitely. say you, you can't do that. It's like, so I have to be a miserable for another. Mm. Oh, I mean, we're living longer these days. I've got, <laughs> oh, I've gotcha. got to live for another forty years. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. There's some there's something there. And again, mm. that's not to be pro, uh, pro suicide, suicide. But I think I've always said that the only times anything like suicide has ever crossed mm. my mind have been at real high points in life mm. where I thought, man, this is awesome. I could mm. kind of happily. <laughs> check yeah. out now and go, it's not right, going to get better than I'm this done. So. <laughs> yeah I'm done that's lovely and again yeah. I, I don't honestly see anything morally or, 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 or emotionally wrong with that mm. if someone was cool okay mm. again if you have that belief of there's nothing that continues on it's different because of family and yeah. responsibility and everything else but on that purely individualistic thing mm. to go I've decided that this is the point mm. I end. And it's the same discussion with euthanasia at the moment, actually, isn't it? Voluntary euthanasia, yeah. When people, you know, people are being told, no, you can't make that decision. And and, and you're right, it is, it's it's all a hangover from times past. And, and, um, you know. So, I mean, it's all such weird decisions, isn't it? It's it's always my argument. And I don't smoke, I don't particularly drink much or any Mm. of this, but that's for 
health reasons now mm-hmm. so I can enjoy myself more now yes, I feel physically exactly. better yeah. every time someone says oh it take years off your life it's like yeah but it's off the end of your yeah. life <laughs> that's the bit I want it off I don't yeah. particularly don't I'm, want to I'm not going to be like going. oh man I need f- <laughs> Five more years of not really been able to, to walk much, or you know, depending on how your That's life it, goes. Because we but, are extending it, aren't we? Yeah. But the actual quality of a lot of people's lives isn't, isn't you know, exactly. Like I've got, I've not got mm. that desire to live forever and live on and on and on, mm. or, 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 or whatever. So any health choices I make now mm. are to improve my enjoyment of life now, not to extend later on. My yeah, life. exactly. Um, so you you mentioned um, death positive mm. um, and coming from sex positive. Now, obviously, again are following you on 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 twitter and instagram mm. you are also a big discusser of the of the links between sex and death yeah. there, there was a fascinating mm. a picture you posted of of dita von Tees oh on victor noir's grave victor noir's yeah. grave yeah in in one of the big paris graveyards P- which, shares pe- that one. Yeah, yeah 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 and mm. so, so yeah what's your your fascination there and what's the kind mm. of what do you see as the link between sex and death because again they're both as we said they're two previously taboo subjects exactly yet, yeah know. um i mean that's which is one link kind of i mean the, i suppose the most simplistic way to say it is that one one is the beginning of life usually mm-hmm. uh one and one ends it you know yep, sure. so so you've got this you know yeah um, this kind of scale then from bet- between one and, and the other one which sort of links them in a way um and i think like like anything i mean if i decide i want to find a link between food and death or you know animals and death you'll find them all over yeah, the place yeah, of course. i i am interested because i'm interested in our interaction and our relationship with human remains for example um, and that might be our, our relationship with them in this context, or it could be um, a very intimate relationship. So, for example, um, in, in, in Indonesia, where they actually dig up their deceased every few years and reclothe them. Oh, wow. um, I also read a lot about necrophilia, which, you yeah. know, is always great dinner party conversation. Sure, <laughs> sure <laughs> so, no doubt. So because of that and the sort of sex and, you know, sex aspect of that, I kind of look more into different sex and, and death mm. links. Um, and, you know, again, you can find them if you look for them, but they are everywhere. I mean, there are plenty of animals for example who will have sex to death in order to procreate um and then of course you have got these you know little things like Dita Von Tees on the grave of Père Lachaise um lots of weird sort of death themed and because it was seen as 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 um a fertility thing wasn't it is is that the story with that he he was kind of a bit of a you know a a young man about town in uh, 19th century Paris I think and um he had his effigy placed on top of his grave and he's got a very prominent penis so of course some where the rumour started. Yeah, I mean, who knows how much he exaggerated. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> what, did, what did he pay the guy to made, make it? Yeah. Um, but so the, this fertility idea came came about that if you um, if you sort of climb on, if you rub it, you know, yeah. a bit like um, Juliet's boob. I think you yeah. can rub Juliet's boob as well, can't yeah. you, in, yeah. in, in, yeah. Um, in Italy? So, um, but of course, with Victor Noir, it's a grave. And, you know, there are, there are other things in, in cemeteries. For example, there's, a, there's, a, there's one in uh, the US that have a cemetery hotties tour. Right. So they kind of have looked at who's buried in, in the graveyard yeah. and the ones that are good looking they've created a sort of cemetery hotties tour yeah. and then of course i mean one of I'm my finding f- it equally creepy and, 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 <laughs> and, and fascinating. fascinating as well it's, it's, that, yeah. it's a whole world um, but yeah it's i think as well just over the last few years i mean one of my fascinations having always been interested in kind of gothic literature gothic representations of necrophilia and things that tend to actually mean something different you know yeah. they mean everlasting love they mean yeah. acceptance of death um but then we suddenly had this kind of neo necrophilia in um, all these paranormal romances yeah, for teenagers. Yeah. So, you know, you can get an Edward Cullen vibrator, for example, yeah, of pink and sparkly, and you can keep it in the fridge. Again, I mean, with so much, again, a, a link there that 
I don't know if it's if there's a natural link that's been made more socially acceptable in the vampire um, mm. in in the whole vampire trend because that's obviously the undead or whatever, but Twilight mm. to True Blood and yep, things like that where absolutely. it's incredibly sexually charged. Yep, um, yep. But those two things seem to sit sit comfortably together. Yeah, and I think I think Buffy kind of did it yeah. well first. And you know, I get to read these amazing papers like Necrophilia and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, yeah. <laughs> which is always fantastic. Um so they kind is of that did a paper it first. or fan fiction? It's, 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 a, no, it's a paper. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote my own fan fiction. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah you you know it, they started it and actually when when you look at it, I think a lot of it does stem from what we've been talking about. It's from yeah. a fear of dying. So when you read Twilight, for example, there is a lot of this sort of Bella projecting her humanness onto Edward. She wants mm-hmm. him to kind of save her from her humanness. She keeps talking about how she could die, you know, they could die. Um, it's like a fear of, of death again. And I think yeah. because we're living in this era where we're sort of trying to talk about it, trying to skirt around the issues of it, yeah. um, that's why it's, it's become popular. I mean, zombies, for example, yeah. in, the, in the sort of medieval Europe, we were intimately, you know, transgressively connected to rotting corpses. We yeah. were so intimate with them. Now, the only time we see them is when they're like an object for our terror. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's, I think it all kind of stems from, from this desire to start talking about mortality. Always, um, uh, we, I don't know why we were choosing it. Our first album, mm. uh, me and a guy, Dan Lesac, was going to be called Le Petit Mort, which is... Mm. is the, the means little, the, means eggs, the little death, the little and it's death. the it's the French, it's it's a French term for the for an orgasm. Exactly. And yeah. Again, I don't even know why we had that in our idea as an album name, but I just thought that was again a beautiful thing. It's that just it's kind a of miniature. iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm Le Petit Mortician on yeah. uh, on uh, Twitter. That hadn't even, that hadn't even <laughs> tweaked. Of course, <laughs> yeah. that makes perfect sense. Because I'm also little and I am a mortician. Uh, <laughs> but actually, you know, um, there have been some ECG studies um, that on women who have a clitoral orgasm mm-hmm. and when they do so part of their brain sort of basically conks out so it's yeah. the part that's um, responsible for kind of language and memory so yeah. they say that actually it's proof that you do have a bit of a little death yeah. um you that's know when you when you have an orgasm and you know as i say with with being in, in a victorian medical museum i study a lot of the history of medicine and things like anatomy dissection Many years ago, there were the anatomical venuses, which were used by the students rather than real cadavers. And they yep. were made of wax. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're beautiful women, gorgeous hair, eyes kind of half closed in ecstasy. But yet their organs all sort of spilling out. And they, That's you know, bizarre, in themselves right? are like a yeah, really strange kind of juxtaposition between death and sex. Yeah. So, yeah, the more you kind of look into it, the, the more you find. It's fascinating with how much, as you were saying, how... <laughs> How 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 things will feel as if they've been that way forever mm. when when they're not. I always remember reading about um, and again on 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 the discussion of of sex or, or orgasms or whatever else was that there was a time where doctors would administer orgasms um, for yes. hysteria yeah. or is what they called hysteria. So when mm. it was felt that because again particularly at that point, a, a women didn't do anything rude mm. and didn't have sex outside of marriage yeah, so it was, it was seen that if no there was a build-up of tension mm. so again that was seen as a medical thing if there's a build-up of tension that needs to be released and mm. i believe it's when it's where vibrators were originally invented that it was a medical tool mm. that you'd literally again cl- clinical no romance yeah. would literally be, <laughs> just it would be seen as done. just a physical thing of <laughs> we will apply this device in the appropriate mm. area to relieve the stress relieve that the you need to, yeah. which is, I mean, again, the, the only but again pro- if you imagine that now, yeah, oh that would be can outrageous, to, yeah. but you think of it, the reason it'd be outrageous is because of old-fashioned thoughts. It's like, no, it's new 
mm. old-fashioned thoughts, yeah, if you know what I mean. Go, things definitely go in round circles. in circles. And yeah. that's, I mean, the thing about the, the hysteria and the vibrators, we've, we've actually had quite a couple of research, quite a few researchers in here yeah. talking about this, because you can imagine I was fascinated mm. by this, whether or not it was true. Um, unfortunately, some of them debunk the idea. Oh, right, they yeah. think that a lot of these adverts that say, you know, electronic massager for women's health yeah. is to do with just electricity being, you know, um, a stimulating thing. Right, yeah. Um, but this, the, this, the jury's still kind of out yeah. on it, to be honest. But um, I know that a lot of the electricity stuff came from galvanism, which was when they used to reanimate the dead bodies as well. Oh, wow, So yeah. that was where Frankenstein, the, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, you know, came oh, well, from this idea course. of galvanism. So again, you've got this link between, you know, sexy sort of electricity, death, yeah. stimulation. Um, so they, the links are definitely there. I mean, I, I populate my blog with them, so there's yeah. <laughs> plenty yeah. of them. It's fascinating. <laughs> um, you also, there's the dating website for morticians. Yeah. How did that... Well, you know... What's the story behind that? <laughs> yeah. Dead meat um, came about because... Dead meat again. Dead meat. What, <laughs> the, what puns, the, the puns just yeah. come thick and fast. But again, um, I mean, all, all, obviously all... All, all joking aside, it is. It's 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 an unusual job, and as you mm. said, there's you've there's been numerous times you've said, "Oh, this is an interesting conversation at dinner or whatever." But yeah. again, if that's your day to day and your life, I can imagine that can be a mm. a restrictive thing. To me. Well, yeah, because oh, some people here's do. what I want to talk about, but <laughs> it's the first date, so maybe yeah. I shouldn't mention. I, exactly, this is kind of where it came from. You know, this idea that um, I mean, partly it was it was because I also had the idea as a bit of a joke in my head, and mm. I thought, hang about, I'm the petty mortician, I'm the one who does the, the blog on sex and death if I don't create this dating website yeah. then I've missed the trick you know yeah, I've, I've yeah, got to course. get it done um so I did just think right just just do it um you know it was, it was quite a bit of work because I'm not particularly computer literate you know my my talents lie elsewhere yeah, yeah, <laughs> evisceration yeah, yeah, yeah. of human yeah. beings but um but I just wanted to create a kind of networking it is dating and networking for death professionals yeah. basically is the tag and I wanted it to be a bit like a LinkedIn as well as a plenty of fish or a uniform dating yeah. Yeah, um sure. because yeah I mean it's it, I my, a couple of my friends now are people who are in the same job I used to be in, and I think yeah. it's really valuable to still have those people in my life. A, a, purely to build, again, I mean, dating aside, purely mm. to build those kind of communities and have that accessible, mm. to, so you have these kindred spirits and people that yeah. you can interact with and not feel, how far should I go with this? How much yeah. <laughs> should, should I say I'll reveal? Having that comfort, I think mm. that's hugely important. And Definitely. I think it's it's one of the ways, I mean, as much as... Twitter and social networks mm. in general can there's a there's a lot of, n- of negative sides. I think things like the trans agenda movement and mm. and I mean LGBT in general. Um, yes, things like Twitter can potentially open you up to more abuse, but they definitely a hundred percent make you aware that there's more people like this and more people going yeah. through this and be able to contact people that you can discuss definitely, and, and, that can and have that really thing. Important. And I think that's the I think that's why it's important mm. to as silly as it may seem if you're thinking of it to, to build communities like that yeah. and say here's a little network here's a definitely here's because a you know if you're a death doula for example it's kind of difficult for you to find other, other death doulas or you know yeah. it's, it's a place where people can post events that are happening and it's um, and as you know as you say people can have a conversation with each other and know that there are no boundaries they don't yeah. have to kind of dip their toe into the and water first know that they're safe yeah and it's exactly a safe, it's a safe environment in and, that and, way. and it kind of also was inspired by the fact that I, I obviously know a lot of morticians and APTs and, and, and a lot of them are in couples you know before I created yeah. Dead Meat they, they find each other mortuary managers find yeah. embalmers you know yeah. pathologists and nurses will get together for that very same reason yeah it's fascinating um, mm. I'd, I'd feel I'd be doing a, a, 
an injustice now to not mention that if you do decide on changing the website at all, one of our main sponsors is a, is a website called Squarespace, which allows oh, yeah. you to build our websites. It's, they're, they're one of our sponsors because I found them and, and used them to build my website. Right, and it was okay. so easy because I'm the same. I'm clueless yeah, on that kind of thing. You definitely do with um, And literally I found that when it was the easiest just dr- dr- drag and drop and oh, wow, simple brilliant. stuff. But yeah, yeah it's, have it's, a look it's at that at some point if you, yeah. if, if, if you fancy it. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're... At, f- at 45 minutes, mm. so I should start trying to r- wrap things up, but mm. I've no desire to. So <laughs> let's continue on. Um, can we talk a little bit about um, initially embalming mm. and what that entailed, and as that was your introduction, I guess, on the yeah. uh, and and then into 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 mortuary work in general, and yep. yeah, all the different kind of links along that that chain you want to yeah because sh- I, I think on. it's something that again the general public get a few things mixed up you know when i tell them i work in a mortuary for example they think that i put the makeup on the deceased which yeah. is you know the embalmer's job so because so, that was it i i, I wasn't sure all so of that is because when you said oh i started off in embalming i was like mm-hmm. oh right i think i might have been thinking of that as at my that actual, point as, and anyway and then yeah. So, yeah so so embalming is kind of like the end of the chain basically when you you're at funeral directors mm-hmm. already um and it is the process of basically beautifying the corpse. Yeah. Um, you know, it came about in the sort of 1800s in, in the US um, and it was because uh, soldiers in the Civil War were unable to get back to their families across, you know, the States. Um, so doctors began to preserve the cadavers um, and it sort of caught on. Yeah. So it involves an injection of fluid which contains a lot of formaldehyde, which right. is not particularly great for the environment. Um, and then it involves kind of some cosmetic procedures, you know, um, making sure that there are, there are no orifices open or leaking, you know, which may sound sure. undignified, but it's, it's like when you go to the dentist, they stuff you with cotton wool, yep. stop you spitting, right, same thing. Yeah, a um, bit of makeup on there as well to make you look realistic. And, and then you can be viewed by the family. And so it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because obviously some families want that. They want yeah. their deceased to be, um, to look like they did in life. Other people don't, which I think the important thing is that you make a choice about it. Yeah. Um, the reason I obviously went to to kind of learn about it is I didn't know enough about the process to have an opinion on it before I went mm-hmm. to work in it. Um, and also, I think the main thing is just that it can be that funeral directors will force it on families. And I think that's the main issue. I think yeah. if some people want it, then that's, you know, I, I would, wouldn't say don't, don't do it, don't do it. But I think the problem comes when some funeral directors call it hygienic treatment. Um, right. They tell the family, for example, that they, they have to have a body embalmed, otherwise it's not safe. And that's nonsense. Yeah. Um, you can actually catch less from a dead body than you can from people on the tube. So I don't yeah. know how often you take public transport, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah, that'll put lot. you off. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's the problem with it, really. It's, it's the end of the line. It's kind of a, it's a cosmetic process, um, and it it's should be a choice. It's isn't it, that there's such a... It becomes such a default when it is a mm. cosmetic treatment yeah. just before you put someone in, in, in the, the ground. ground. Yeah. It's, it's like it's and, and and then again it's sad and not not meaning to be insensitive mm. in in the ground where they will where they remain will until they rot yeah, yeah exactly and they will rot and this is another thing that embalming was you know kind of criticized for for many years is because people were told families were told they were well they, they'll be preserved you know right. like some kind of un, uncorruptible holy yeah. saint um, which isn't the case so i think it is important i mean if some people feel that they want to see you know their relative that way then i think you know that's that's up to yeah. them some people actually want it to happen to themselves and what is really weird is that there is a new over the last couple of years there is a, a boom in 
cosmetic surgery for the dad. Wow. So, for example, um, people End going, go I want my lips done, yeah. um, you know, paying the doctor to come and do their lips, make sure they look great on their on their last day. That's you know, so crazy, which isn't is, it? Again, it's, if it's a person's preference for themselves, you know, that's one thing. Sometimes it's a family member's preference for their relative because it makes them feel better. It's a lot of different reasons why people do it. It's bizarre. But I think... I think what's important is to know about it. I think yeah. everybody should maybe watch a video of it on YouTube, watch the procedure. Do you want that to happen Again, to your relative? Again, all of these things, education is... Mm. R- so rather than... As as much as I am judging people f- mm. for being absolute weirdos and wanting <laughs> to look extra, extra, extra s- sexy for as they go day. into the ground. Yeah. It's like, or even wanting their loved ones to look... Ex- it's, it's like, it's, it's, I don't know, yeah. peaceful, comfortable, mm. I can understand. But yeah, I don't yeah. know. But even though I am kind of joking on that, it's just more... N- not judging anyone for wanting that, mm. but giving them uh, the options, yeah, educating them on them it. and going, right, yeah. here's, here's what it is. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't go buy a car without doing some research first, no. and it's the same exactly. with funerals. It's the, you know, If you don't know where you want to be buried or how you want to go, you need to be thinking about it, yeah. because you know it, you wouldn't do it with anything else, buy a house without research. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, for, so then contrasting with that, um, what I did as an APT, an anatomical pathology technician, is I was kind of the first port of call. So when somebody's found dead at home, or if they die in the hospital, yeah. they'll go to the mortuary, and um, for the most parts people from people who've died outside you know at home in the street the gym wherever will need a post-mortem so it was my job to do the technical support for the Mm post-mortem so in things like silent witness you tend to see the pathologist do the the y incision and take all the organs out yeah sure in real life it's actually the apt who does that right um and then the doctor will look at all the organs separately look at the right. body um you know work out the cause of death and then you will be the one who then reconstructs the deceased wow. so you'll sew sew the organs back into the yeah. body um possibly do viewings with the family members um and then the deceased is passed on to the funeral directors so mm-hmm. and then that will be where the embalming is yeah. so it's, it's different it's much more of a scientific you know exploratory process yeah. an investigation rather than just trying to make somebody look good yeah. for their funeral. And again, because of how undiscussed it is, that all gets bunched in together. Yeah, it does. That I all mean, gets bunched in, in together. As, as soon as I mentioned to people I was coming to talk about yeah. this, they were like, oh, so is that autopsies so, or is that this? Is that or like or six like, feet under and or again, is I like, it? I don't know. Yeah, it, I'm going to go and find does. out, I guess. That's what I'm gonna go and... Yeah, no, they are because they're so distinct. And I think, you know, the other thing that, that, that will happen is that I'll get bunched in with people who kind of just, I don't know, just do, do weird dissections for no reason or there's like yeah. this kind of vict- this Victorian idea that we just kind of slice into people and keep bits of their organs for nothing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mentioned before the reason it's important to educate is because people still think that we slice across the forehead, for example, to yeah. get to the brain um, and then leave a big Frankenstein scar, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we don't do that. It's all as minimally invasive as possible. Yeah. Um, when a person's had a post-mortem, you can't tell. It doesn't, you know, yeah. we don't just leave them with bits hanging off them. I'm, and- I'm, I'm making that now a request when I die. I want a Frankenstein scar. <laughs> I want that. I want to be going be awesome, down a, 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 a looking like a, a maniac. That'd be... <laughs> That's completely how I'm but, adding that. But they're important. You know, autopsies are important. And, of course. Um, for example, after Harold Chipman murdered so many old people, yeah. um, the way death re- um, registration and the way autopsies were done really changed. It, it caused right. such a spike in the in the death, um, you know, um, I was going to say fixtures then, the death sort of yeah. numbers for that year, um, that we had to kind of look into the way that we were certifying um, the deceased because he was he got away with murder so many times. Yeah, yeah. So we had to have autopsies because 
we have to find out how people died. And what, what can be a really dodgy area is when, for religious reasons, people don't want to have an autopsy. I mean, it's, it's, I, I understand it's tough. It can be tough for families in, yeah. in, in general. I've, I've known people who close, who want, who, who those, someone close to them has died and they've not felt anyone's at fault. Mm-hmm. You know, it's someone who was ill yeah. anyway. They're like, look, it's mm-hmm. just happened. I'd rather just... You know, not comfortable with the idea yeah. that now you're going to cut them up as well. Not yeah. only have they died, so I understand as that. As if it's again, another violation or something. But another... then it's that that realization that it's important to just for every every element of it to make sure that mm. nothing has untoward has happened. happened, or to make sure again that that no one is to blame. Yeah, that there isn't anyone. How do you know that to... somebody in the, in the family didn't poison yeah. them? You know, and if it, if it was yeah. the, the thing about it is. Um, the, the autopsy, I mean, people always say to me, you know, I, I've obviously done autopsies on people who've jumped in front of trains, people who've hanged themselves, mm. people, you know, in all sorts of different um, states of decomposition. And people say, well, if you know that he hanged himself, then why did you do an, why did you do an autopsy? But it's actually not just for the cause of death. It's for any underlying medical issue. So yeah. what happens is the doctor will record. Um, so, for example, somebody may have hanged themselves because they have HIV. Their family yeah. might not know. Yeah. Um, so... Those statistics are then collated for the World Health Organization, who then right. know where to put money into different aspects of like medical treatment because yeah. they know such and such is on the rise. Yeah. So it's not just a case of cause of death; it's underlying issues as well. Yeah. So yeah, you know, in, 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 you know, it can be important. And the other thing I do feel like it, it is, it does feel a bit like an indignity. But when I go for a gynae exam, I feel like that's an indignity. But I don't but not you know go. It's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't tell my boyfriend, you know, oh, you've got a lump on your balls. Well, don't go because it's going to be, you it's know, gonna be a bit, he's going to put his finger up your bum. It'll yeah, be a bit awkward. Yeah. I would never encourage somebody to do that. So I yeah. would never encourage in death for them to not have an examination either. And again, it's it's the it's 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 as we've discussed so many times now. It's it's the lack of understanding of all mm. these things that makes it seem like an indignity. Yeah, and if you, you shouldn't be an indignity, it's not an indi- you know, it's it's we. I think we're actually far more careful than you know. I've had dentists poking me and pulling me all over the place you know I've had I've been in a gynae exam I've had 12 students leering in, in you know in yeah. me as it were yeah. um I think you know you have to see an autopsy to understand exactly how dignified it is mm. um and 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 I think then yeah you know it, it people wouldn't be so scared of it and they wouldn't think oh we need to we need to rage against this and and the reason I bring it up is because very recently um the high court actually accepted that um those of the Jewish or uh, Muslim faith can now have CT full body scans in, right. instead of autopsies, right, okay. um, which is something that we, you know, I've I've been in research projects on um, before, and they are great for some causes of death. Yeah, they will not pick up all causes of death, and if somebody yeah, has been poisoned, your scan will it's not find not that out. Yeah, so so the, there's, you know that's that's the issue really is that I think it's yeah. and it's the fear of this autopsy procedure that's caused that. Where, where do you stand or feel on um, on on organ? A donation in general in, in in this country and at the moment, I guess. Yeah, What's well, I mean, a- I think I'm, I'm an organ donor. I'm a card yeah. carrying, um, as is my other half, um, and I obviously advocate that a lot. Um, I think the same thing about dissection, cremation. It's this idea that making a body not be whole anymore yeah. um, will cause issues with you know heaven and whatnot. Yeah, so I think ridiculous. I think anyone has a problem with organ donation really needs to kind of um, examine their motivations for that because yeah. you can obviously you can save about seven seven or eight lives with one you know decent cadaver healthy cadaver yeah. um, and I think actually we should have an opt-out system in this country I know there have been calls for it I think yeah, people there, there's really been feel more strong. and more calls recently yeah. it seems for opt-out and again it's something I'd always been 
brought up with by my, my parents mm. before I even really knew what organ a donation was, was that they'd have their yeah. their blood donor card and their organ a donation cards. That it's just it's just something that you if do. If something happens, then something happens, but we need mm. to be able to know immediately that... Yeah, whereas yeah. my mum hates me talking about this. I've tried to talk, talk to her about it, and she's like, oh, do we have to have this conversation? You know, considering the work I do, she yeah, thinks yeah. she'd be used to it. But no, I do. I think we should have an opt-out system. I think if people really do um, want, you know, to kick up such a fuss, then I think they should have to opt out rather than, you know, us lose these valuable organs every day. I agree. I think it's the... Uh, and again, this might be over going into it, but I, I, I think there's quite a natural human um, state of, of, of feeling of, of huge individuality and, and self-importance. Mm. And I understand that. Like I've discussed this numerous times now, but if, you, if you're walking down the street, it's almost impossible to compute or comprehend that everyone else in that street has a, as complex a life as yeah, you yeah. and everything else. <laughs> so I think that then... A, a, a lens into this because you think I don't want my if yeah. I die I don't want my this or my that but the fact is if you die you're one of a lot of people yeah. you're one of millions of people dying that week that day whatever around the world mm. and the fact is as sad as it is mm. and as important as it is I'm not trying to devalue anyone's life but there's also s- some young boy who's got a heart mm, condition exactly. who is waiting and waiting yeah. for and could, you know could turn for the thing even, and you could yeah you, i was just gonna say for, even from a selfish point of view in this solipsistic you know world we live in but he could turn out to be the person who discovers the cure for cancer yeah, you know yeah. so it's even if you want to be selfish about it he might then be able to help or, your or you equally know. you could have this horrific accident mm. and not die yeah. And you don't get saved because the other person was you. Exactly. Was, was going, oh, it's my, <laughs> yeah. it's my heart, though. I'll give, I, don't, I, I don't fancy I don't sharing. Want, I don't want to give my eyes. I don't, yeah. It's like, it's, it's, yeah. it's silly. We are all just a collection of body parts. Mm. And it's, sadly, the bits that make us individual are the, is the bit that ends mm. at death. That's, yeah. the, that's the bit that ends. The rest of it, it's just how we've, we've oh. happened to have put things together and shaped stuff. So Definitely. And yeah. I think, again, you know, it's, it's this also this idea that if somebody does donate their organs or their eyes or whatever, that it's going to disfigure them somehow. It's yeah. this ignorance of the process where they, people don't quite understand that people who've donated organs look exactly like everybody else after yeah. they've died. You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's, no, there's no Frankenstein scar. There will be if you want one. I'll have yeah, a word yeah, with, thank you. <laughs> with my colleagues. <laughs> but yeah, so I think, it, you know, it, it's education, isn't it? Knowledge yeah. is power. That's the main thing. Thing. Yeah, completely. Um, well, let's talk as well. Um, this was ex- ex- exciting to me to come here, and that y- when I was about, I'd say thirteen or fourteen, I had a sleepover with some mates, and we put a film on, and it was on on late at night, and it was the scariest thing in the world, <laughs> just because it was about b- 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 body snatchers, and in reality. I, don't, I can't even remember the name of it. I don't think it was that scary a film, but we were so okay. scared because of the idea of it. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was kind of older that realising there's the, there's, there's the one kind of scary idea of, of, mm. of body snatches, but then you also realise that a lot of body snatching ori- originally was a, a medical people. when It was when it wasn't, you weren't allowed yeah. to, to, to experiment or check or test on human remains that mm. it was actually... 
the medics that were maybe not doing the body snatching themselves, I'm sure in some points they were, but employing people to, yeah. to snatch bodies. So, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, I think that the sort of history of body snatching is kind of fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I probably must have seen something as a child as well. You know, the idea of them going out into the dark graveyard with their lamps and their yeah, shovels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, basically the sort of, this idea that hu- of human dissection um, as an advancement to science was perfectly acceptable to the ancient Greeks, for yep. example, who were very enlightened. Yeah. Um, then we ended up in a kind of a bit of a, you know, there was this sort of Christian world, the Islamic world, um, and this idea of slicing into a human was seen as taboo. Um, so for about a thousand, maybe 1400 years, there was no human dissection. And in fact, scientists such as Galen um, would dissect animals, dogs, apes, and then apply that to us. So yeah. he would dissect a dog and then say, yes, humans have, you know, four spleens or, or whatever, you know, some weird dog anatomy. Um, and so it wasn't until like the 1500s when people started to dissect humans again. Yeah. And what happened was um, at that point we had, you know, the Enlightenment, we had medical schools, more formal education, and we went away from the sort of apothecaries and medicine men to actual surgeons and, and medical doctors. Um, and the medical schools didn't have enough corpses so in this sort of desperate attempt to educate themselves um the um the sort of professors of the schools would pay resurrection men or body snatchers and they were the ones who would go out and they would you know they would open graves in the middle of the night um they would to put it into perspective you know you call them kind of greedy you know 'er ne'er-do-wells but they were earning about a year's worth of wages in a week doing body snatching so you can see why they might it might appeal to them a bit more um and uh because at the time you see from sort of i think it was from about 1752 definitely in the uk you could only dissect executed murderers that was that was all you had so you know in in london we had various different gangs who would go out and, and get fresh corpses for the schools um and then, of course, it all kind of came to a bit of a head with Burke and Hare, because right, Burke yeah, and Hare are kind of, of the, the famous body snatchers, yeah, but yeah, they, yeah. they weren't actually body snatchers. They were just murderers. They just kind of cut out the middleman. Right. They so just they decided. Just yeah, ve- it's very fresh very bodies. Fresh. Yeah. yeah, it was just like that's just far too much trouble because, you know, the body snatchers would, um, they were clever about what they did. They, there was no law against it. But there was a law against grave robbing, which was when, if you rob material items from a grave. Right. So what they would do is they'd make sure they strip the bodies naked and kind of leave yeah. jewellery and, and, and whatnot. It wasn't bizarre. illegal. Um, but yeah, Birkenhead decided it's all just too much faff for us. Yeah. Uh, murdered a few people, got caught. Um, and, you know, the surgeon who bought their bodies, Robert Knox, also kind of ended up, you know, being fired because yeah. people said, you must have realised these have known that they were... bodies were fresh. Yeah. And just as a bit of an aside, a sex and death aside, uh, Robert Knox was received the body of quite a beautiful prostitute called Mary Patterson um, up in Scotland. And he kept her naked body in a barrel of whiskey for about two or three weeks. Oh, wow. Because he just, and he drew her. And he sort of would have students come in and leer at at the body as well. So, you know, again, um, I think he was a bit bit of an unusual character. Yeah, Um, from the sounds of it. Yeah, so so which is why he didn't really question the freshness of all these corpses. So um, in 1832, finally, the Anatomy Act was passed in the UK anyway, which meant that... um, Medical schools could also have unclaimed bodies from workhouses and prisons, right. um, unclaimed bodies from the streets. And it was kind of enough then yeah. that they didn't, you know... It reduced the yeah, demand. Yeah, it, re- it reduced the, yeah. the sort of resurrection men have to go off and, I don't know, do something else. Yeah. Um, and it sort of stayed that way for a while until, of course, we then ended up with a consent culture where we could actually donate our bodies to science, yeah. which, yeah. you know, is, is something that is still important. Um we don't have the medical school here on this campus, but over at Mile End, we have our dissection yeah. room. And that is populated with people who have 
consented. Yeah. Um, so, so they're still used by medical students. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a very important, as gruesome as it is, it's an important aspect of medical history. Yeah, of mm. course, of course. Well, I mean, I'll start to, to, to wrap up really now. Um, I've kind of covered most things on the list. I, it occurred to me as we were discussing mm. then and going into Burke and Hare and stuff like that, mm. um, I don't know if you know anything about it, but I was reading briefly recently that, 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 that one of the, I believe it was one of the victims of Jack the Ripper, they, mm. they, they've just authorised their body to be um, exhumed because they feel they might have more evidence or something mm. like that in that. So I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, it's, it, 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 again, it was, a, it was only something I, I read briefly mm. on the way here, I think, and stuff like that just blows my mind Gosh, that uh, yeah. there'd be anything that you could, the, it's this, funny. this far along uh, uh, or this whatever, you go, all right. I don't know about Turns that. Turns out we didn't. Yeah, yeah we didn't get didn't all the evidence. That, yeah. um, it's it's weird though because the um, the Black Museum, the, the the Crime Museum over at Scotland Yard, which mm. I'm very privileged to have actually been in, they're convinced they know who Black the Ripper, Black the Ripper, Jack the Ripper, Jack the Ripper is. Um, they're kind of convinced that it, it was a Polish immigrant, um, and they just right. say that nobody really wants to to know that because it's yeah. better when it's a mystery yeah, you know it's this exciting so, story i've not heard that although i can That's tell you that apparently um one of the victims catherine eddowes her kidney used to be in this museum oh, i've really? heard in, in in sort of folklore um and and a curator from many years ago saw the kidney and just thought it looked oh it's just a normal kidney there's no pathology and threw it out oh wow so that's that's what i've heard i've not been able to find any records are, um are but, there any kind of it, I'd imagine not in a place of, of science and medic, but are mm. there any r- rumours of, of, of haunting, of any any scary t- mm. tales of walking the aisles? Uh, you know, not that I've heard. Good. I'm no. so pleased. Yeah. It's not appropriate. I think, um, <laughs> I think the weird thing is, if it was going to be anywhere, you'd think it would be here. So I don't, yeah. I don't know, you know whether I believe in ghosts. Considering how, how many dead people I've been around in my life and yeah. I've never seen one, I don't, you know, I don't know whether I'd even believe in them, but I've not heard of anything. It always makes me laugh. I went for... I was, I was out walking with my mum on Sunday. That sounds mm. a, a very old-fashioned for some reason, <laughs> but she, we walked past this lake and it had a bit of information for there, and it's, in, it's near where I live in Stamford, and apparently um, a woman years and years ago had, had fallen in love with like a stable hand and wasn't mm. allowed to be with him and asked for permission several times and said no, and then she fell pregnant. Her family still said no, and then she... Dr- a, a, a drowned herself in this particular pond there. Oh, right. It was, again, I love, I think there should be more just bits of history yeah, around. Just... But then it had to add, and many people say she's seen to walk up and down this street. Mm. And it's like, oh, don't ruin it. No. Now, now I'm thinking, oh, that's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The actual, if, if there's some, some, some facts or history, if her body was found there and that's the story, then that's, that's you don't need to that's add. It. That's enough. Yeah, you don't I, need to I agree. Add I, I think, you know, my, my boss, my sort of line manager pops over here sometimes and he really embellishes the stories of these parts. Yeah. And I always say, don't do don't that because the actual stories of the parts are incredible themselves. You know, the, pe- the people in the parts. Um, and, you know, it, it, you don't need to sort of ruin it then with like fake psychic. Yeah. Yeah. of grey ladies and yeah, whatnot, exactly. you know, floating testicles on floor yeah, three. Yeah. Um, it's, they're just fantastic as they are. Yeah, I couldn't agree mm. more. Well, thank you very much for inviting us in. Uh, where can people keep up to date with everything? What are you on Twitter and Instagram and everything yeah, else? Yeah, the... um, Twitter um, at Chicken the Dead. Yeah. Um, and we have uh, at Bart's Pathology yep. as well. And we've got a website, so it's uh, qmul.ac.uk slash Bart's Pathology. So Perfect. hopefully if you, if you Google Carla Valentine, you might find some of these sites. And what kind of things do you have on? Again, I've, I know I'm, I'm, I'm meant to be ending it, but we were discussing as we came in that you have occasional um, 
a taxidermy classes mm. and stuff like that, which taxidermy's obviously become yeah. far more popular and, and hipster these days. Yeah, that's but really great. Again, yeah. a fascinating thing. So, what's the, oh, the we deal have there? All sorts. We have so I've got many tons events. of false endings here. Yeah. Sorry, I keep getting more <laughs> ideas. Go ahead. We've got, um, we've got a brand new kind of autumn seminar season that begins in September because it's much more atmospheric in the dark here. You of can course. see by the, the ceiling. Yeah. Um, so, we happen to have, you know, we've got lectures about body farms, which is, wow. you know, where you leave the deceased out to rot and then take. Um, measurements for forensic reasons right, um we've got um special halloween events about there's a vampire slaying kit that's in the royal armories a genuine sli- slaying kit so we've got really? that that's um amazing. we've got um oh gosh the poisons of agatha christie yeah. we literally just put on as many kind of different events as we can and we always give a glass of wine perfect glass of wine, that's yeah. perfect. Sit in the dark have you ever been to the horniman um, museum have, yes. and have you seen the 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 walrus there that is it's famously one of the worst pieces of taxidermy ever. Do you know what? I have been there, but I don't remember the walrus. It's, I used to go there as a kid, and mm. it's only as I've grown up I've found the story of it. And apparently, again, it's, it's very old, but mm. it was st- stuffed, or whatever the technique mm. would be, by someone. And again, at that point, you didn't see a lot of animals around. You know, you only saw... It was mm. stuffed by someone who'd never seen a walrus. Yeah. And they <laughs> basically kept stuffing it until it was full. So obviously walruses have got very saggy skin. Yeah. This walrus is ginormous oh, is it? and it's a big it's basically a big round ball of a walrus. Oh gosh, I don't remember seeing that it's, at all. It, again, it's it's famous at that particular place because it's just and I, I love that they've kept it yeah, true as to an what example it was, of kind of bad It was just a case that they just mm. kind of whoever it was was like, right? Just we'll kept put going. A bit, a bit more in. It's like, no, that's not I suppose it's a bit like doing a, a bulldog's face or something, yeah. isn't it? And ending it it's with like, cheeks yeah, out Exactly, here. exactly that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, I think with those that I mean I love those museums and I did used to go to museums yeah. a lot as a, as a young child but if it's I'm normally more interested when it's human it's yeah, just one of yeah. those things no you completely know? <laughs> I get that it's fascinating well thank you very much and I thank will end you. this time so thanks for chatting thanks very Cheers. much There you go. How was that? That was fascinating. I wanted to keep going for ages. I love all the the body snatchers tales and the Burke and Hare stuff. And yeah, absolutely fascinating. Uh, And again, I would urge you to share this because as we discussed many, many times in this podcast, um, these are things that people should discuss more. It shouldn't be taboo subjects. I mean, we talked about the two 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 biggest taboos sex and death like constantly for an hour and 15 minutes you know it's it's fine no one died (laughs) um but yeah thanks for tuning in guys we're going to be back next week as ever uh with more wonderful guests i'd like it if you subscribed even though at the start i was telling you to to listen to this on acast go and subscribe on itunes get it on itunes and acast what the hell um it helps us in the charts. Um, oh, I should also mention... Shit, I forgot to mention this at the start. I did the Doug Loves Movies podcast. I keep forgetting to mention it. If you're if you're waiting for other podcasts, other distraction pieces in the gap, I recommend getting that because it's possibly the most fun I've I've ever had in 90 minutes. It was amazing fun. It's an amazing podcast as well. I've become addicted to it. It's, it's, it's a Doug Benson and he has different guests and they chat about films for a bit, but then they do his different games and quizzes he's made up that are film-based and it's the most fun. The audience are so into it. They're just, they, they have to come with these names. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hard sell, but it was great fun. I was on there with uh, a, a Russian 
Conaty um, and Richard Sandlin, who does my film night with me at the Prince Charles Cinema, which you, you should also come to that. I think this comes out just before it. In fact, we've got this Thursday, we've got what, what we've got Leon. Come and see a Leon with me. That'd be great. Um, I've got my club night at the end of the month as well. You've probably all turned off by now. Let's face it, on the outros of, of most podcasts, you kind of tend to drift off around the time they're saying goodbye. And I said goodbye, like, and then had loads of, I remember loads of stuff I was meant to mention. So if you're listening now, good on you. Thanks. Um, but come to the club night. That's at the book club on the 29th. And come to the film club. That's at the Prince Charles Cinema. Head to their website. We've got, uh, this month we've got Leon. Next month we've got Train Spotting. So come on down. Um, I'll see you next week. Bye.